Welcome to New Hearts Fellowship on this wonderful Sunday. How are you all today? Good morning. How are you? So this past week we had a lot of fun doing what kids? BBS. Yes, we had BBS. It was so much fun. And after um, the announcements that we have prayer, we're actually going to take a break from normal worship, and we have the kids are going to share what they learned and some of their favorite songs. So that's super exciting. I know they've been working really hard on the motions and on the um, verses, so that. Um, a couple announcements. I do, do forgive me for not having a bulletin. Um, I don't know what happened, but you know what? That's okay. Because I'm um, so a couple announcements. There it's is a mask. A, yeah. What? Mask. It's the mask. It's affecting my brain. Um, there is a membership meeting today following service. This one. The second following the membership meeting following service, we have a few children. Um, the challenge was put out by Mr. Michael over the past week. If they could say all of the verses from each of the days along with the key verse for Bible school, they would get to put a pie or, or a uh, plate full of uh, whipped cream in Michael's face today. So I'd like to recognize those kids real quick. So I have Jason Choke, Ariana Stevenson, Zayn. Tyler Brister, and we had one leader say all the verses, which is Jamie Brister, so I'm very looking forward to it. Right. So these, these and, are, Ky- and Kyler should be. Oh, and Kyler, yes, Kyler. She had a special. <laughs> so these kids will be able, they're, we're going to uh, uh, they put a pie in whipped cream in Mr. Michael's face, and I know they're looking forward to it. Um, and also, one more announcement. Um, as a lot of you noticed, there's uh, piles of mulch in the parking lot. Uh, we are getting a bobcat tomorrow, so if any of you are free and available that would like to help move some mulch, spread some mulch, or anything, uh, Michael and I will be up here most of the day tomorrow and the day. So please come on out and get your sweat on. Yes. Is that spot here? You shovels raking or? Oh, we'll need shovels and raking because as, okay. as, as, as good as I am with the bobcat, I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not writing a bobcat. <laughs> It is a big machine, it has four wheels, and has a bucket on it. Alright, so without any further ado, Mr. Josh, will you open up the door? Alright, a note, kids, you gotta stay up before we're gonna do something. We're gonna start with our theme song, and then we're gonna take a moment so you can share. You want to share? Alright, Mr. Josh, can you cue up our theme song? Okay, spread out, everyone.
Bible school. Caleb, no, stay, stay up here, stay up here. This is presentation time. What What was your favorite? Music, what was yours, Jason? Um, games music. Games music. Tyler? Ariana? When you built the fort, I did hear that there was this one, one of the days they had lots of fun building a tomb with Pastor Dan. Um, and that, that, was all, that was all the rave on, on Thursday. Yes. And we always ask them every day what their favorite part of VBS was, and they'd always yell because we, we don't say, we don't raise our hands at VBS at the end. We yell when we had, we had a good time. So what, what part, if you guys, what part did you always yell the loudest for? Games. Was, it was games, yes. Mr. Michael, he did a great job. Um, with our socially distanced uh, to his, the best of his ability games. Um, I know that was a challenge for him. So thank, thank can we say thank you to Mr. Michael? Thank, thank you. you. And uh, to all of the teachers that put in all of the effort, the crafts, um, the games, the, uh, the food, the lessons. I know you guys. Uh, I know it was a it was a different different challenge this year with the COVID, but I know the kids enjoyed it, and I know it's it's only just ended, but I know I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Billy. Alright, so, do you want to do another song and just share the verses? Yeah. Alright, so we are going to do um, the day two song. Yay! Called, <laughs> What God Has Done. This was one of everyone's favorites. Right out a little bit, guys. Thank you! Um, key verse for the week was Tyler. And can you say it? Yes. Woo! 
job, buddy. Amen. All right. And now, it is posted around the room, but who could tell me what the motto for VBS was? Jason. Zoom in, focus on Jesus. All right. Yes, it's still on the wall on the, over there. Zoom in and focus on Jesus. Um. So real quick, we're gonna go. We're gonna go through all of our verses because these kids work so hard to remember. We're gonna try not to look at the wall. <laughs> all right. Who can tell me what John six thirty eight is? Caleb. Yeah. So all of our verses um throughout the week there was the shortened version and some of our kids learned the longer version. So if you if you if you know the verses, you're like, well, that's not all it says. That's what what that's us. That's um what am I doing? Um that's what they learned and that's okay because that's the building block so they can build on it. As long as they're hiding the God, God's word in their heart, that's where it counts. All right, who can tell me what day two verse is? John one thirty four. Jason. I assume that's like that this is the Son of God. All right, and the first um day two, which that was our song from day two. Um, the the lesson is called Encounter at the River, and that is when what happened. Dogs, you can answer. Baptized. Jesus got baptized. Yes, and who can tell me? Uh, oh wait, that, that's okay. If the books fall, we can just we just leave where they lie. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be yeah. fine. And um, our, our day three was encounter on the water, and that's when Jesus did what? Jason walked on the water. walked on the water. And who can tell me what John fourteen one says? Tyler. All right, good job. <laughs> Alright. See, I, I, I'm not as prepared as all that. I, I, I need it right here. And day four was encounter at the what? Caleb. Do remember? Well, Ariana, I bet you know. What did you build up there? You build. Yes, Ariana. What? <laughs> <laughs> was the encounter at the tomb. At the tomb. At the Alright, and who can tell me what John 14, 6 says? Caleb. And Tyler, can you tell me what the last half of that verse says? Good job, dude. Alright, and then day five, which this was, I think, it, it was a tie, a toss-up between the favorite song, um, which day, day five and day two were the favorite. So, day five, who can tell me what happened, what the story was on day five? Jason. Well, day five story is when the two men walking through a small village. Do you remember the name of the village? Yes, and they're talking about what what, what, what happened to Jesus and going on down at, going on down at Jerusalem. And Jesus appears and starts walking with the two men. And the first thing he says is, What are you talking about? And then the two men look down the ground sad and says, Jesus the Messiah is that um, crucified. And then Jesus starts explaining himself by telling in the scriptures from the Old Testament, telling the two men the scriptures from the Old Testament. And then when they get to the village, they down Jesus breaks bread and give it to them, plays, and then, and then open their eyes and see that they've been walking with Jesus. And when they open their eyes and notice that they've been walking with Jesus, Jesus is gone. So then they go back to Jerusalem and tell the, the 11 disciples about what happened to them. Jason has been a very, every day he can tell me exactly what he learned. Very, very excellent dude. So thank you, Jason. Um, and real quick, can, Jason, can you also tell yeah. me what the day five verse is? Follow, the follow comes yeah. by hearing from the Lord God. Right, do you remember where it's found at? Romans 10, 17. Good job. All right. All right, so we're going to do two more songs for you. We're going to start with the day three song, which is always my favorite song. It's always, uh, day three is when the gospel is presented. And so in turn, we always get a very fun ABC song. So we're going to do day three song, and then we're going to finish with Believe, which was day five. All right, you guys ready?
all please stand and be recognized as well. Yes, could not happen without you all. And then, uh, Mr. Tony, could you please say a prayer? Um, a, just a thank you for being able to uh, do BBS, and then a transition. Uh, thank you for uh, a special uh, blessing for the offering as well. Father, we just want to say first that uh, let the little children come to. Father, we just think that God children don't have to give some on love or die. And you know what's better than we know ourselves. Right? Just in the race. We're just thankful that God just seen all these kids. They may not know it, but you're so out of them. They're open. They, Father, just just an encouragement. Realize we're a true church. God, this offering is blessed because what I'm um, Father, that with talents or treasure, God, we don't do this just out of obligation. Love for you and really pray for them. Uh, we thank for grace. And uh, Father, you'll get the glory no matter what. We just glorify your holy name, Christ. All right, kids, thank you. And I do, I do have to also, while Mr. Tim is coming up here, I give a special shout out to Ron Mack. He was, he was our security guy this week, and he was didn't let the children run away. So thank you, you Ron Mack. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Sam was on the oh, He's on
bottle of bottles of water under Brother Tony Brister's chair or in that vicinity back there. I'm not sure what happened for sure, but if anybody needs a bottle of water, we're going to pass them around. We've shut down the drinking fountains in the building for the same reason that we're wearing masks, because um, that's recommended. Uh, actually, the masks are ordered, so that's where we're at. All right. So I want us to ask you a question first before we go to the text, and then we're going to look at a couple of interesting things that have affected me periodically throughout my Christian walk. And, want to, and it first happened very early on, and I'll explain that to you. Um, so first of all, is anybody in this room afraid of spiders? Okay. I'm not raising my hand because I am afraid of spiders. I'm actually not, but I, I'll tell you, some spiders, they're kind of creepy, and they do if I was near a spider. Okay. So is anybody afraid of roller coasters? Be honest. Okay. So we got a couple of folks. There's one that's iffy and one is yes. Um, firearms? Anybody afraid of firearms? A couple of people. Okay. Now, let me just ask you. I want you to think about those things. Right? So we, we know there are phobias, right? And a phobia is something that whenever that thing comes up, it, it, you get an irrational fear. So it's a fear that will literally grip you and it will drive you to do crazy things. It's a phobia, right? But being afraid of something is a little bit different. Uh, I got to tell you, I am not afraid of burning hot stoves. But if somebody took my wrist and grabbed me right there and started to put my hand on a burning hot stove, my heart is going to race. I'm going to start to sweat. I'm going to start to pull away. I know that's going to burn. I am afraid that it's going to burn me in that moment. And I submit to you that even those of us who raised our hands today, when we say, are you afraid of X, are you afraid of spiders like right now? Does your, are you afraid of roller coasters like right now? I mean, what you mean is you don't want to ride roller coasters or you don't want to play with a spider, right? You don't want to suddenly discover a spider crawling on you that you didn't know about, like waking up in the middle of the night and there's a spider crawling on your face or something. That would just horrify you. We're not afraid right now, necessarily. We just know that when we encounter those things, that we're afraid of them. So we say we are afraid of them. I want you to think about that then as we look at the text. As we're talking about, today we're going to talk about fear of God a little bit. Okay, when, I, when we look up there and we say unfear, we're talking about, the fear we're talking about is fear of God. Or at least that's where we tend to start. When I was a young Christian, I had a man ask me, he said, should we fear God? Immediately, I said, no, I don't fear God. He's my loving father. He cares for me. He saved my soul. After all that he's done for me, I have no, I have no reason to fear him. And he said, well, let me show you a few verses in the Bible. And it was few verses that said we should fear God. And I was like, oh man. So then I went and dug in my Bible and tried to figure out where I stand. Now that what we're going to talk about today is not the culmination of that because it literally took hours. But we're going to look at two texts in the New Testament that sort of address the issue. And then we're going to come down, I think, on a biblical side, the side that God would want us to see about fear in relation to the Lord. Okay. So grab your Bibles if you would. And we're not first going to go to our main text for the day. We're going to go somewhere else. So maybe get a little excited with me. I know Timothy would be excited if you were here. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Say amen. amen. Thank you. Very good. Very good. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is one of the verses that people use to talk about whether there should be fear in our relationship with God. Okay. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. This is chapter 1, verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, And for this reason I remind you, to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then there's a for. It's a because, right? So when you see a for, most of the time it's a because. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And I've even heard people quote that verses when they're talking about people talking about fearing God. And they'll say, well, no, we shouldn't fear God. God has not given us, and they will say, a spirit of fear. And another translation may actually have that there. A spirit of fear, but of power and love 
and discipline. That's how we're supposed to be. And so let's break it down just for one second. The word there where the, where the New American Standard translates it timidity means it's probably a better kind of understanding, if you will. A spirit of timidity means you're afraid of a lot of things. It doesn't mean you're afraid of one thing, right? So like if somebody come up and talk bad to you, would you get afraid all of a sudden? Or someone says, hey, what are you doing? Would you immediately think you know something wrong? When you pass a police car, do you immediately look to see if he turns the sirens on, right? We don't have a spirit of timidity, so we're not constantly looking for ourselves to fall, to fail, to be messed up, to struggle, right? That things are going to go wrong. We're not looking for things to be not right. We're looking for things to be right, right? In fact, the alternative then is to have power and love and discipline. And so that talks about in God, power, but a power, spirit of power, that's God in us, the power of God in us. And the idea is you can do things. You can make a difference. You can make a change. You can be better today than you were yesterday and so on. And love. And so we, we love others. God loves everybody, right? We know that God essentially is love. And a spirit of love means you're going to work on loving people, even people that maybe feel unlovable at times, and of discipline, meaning we are going to make the right choices. We're going to use spiritual disciplines to advance ourselves in the kingdom of God. Really, it's God that does all of that that makes us over into his image, but God gives us that spirit, which is his Holy Spirit, essentially, power, love, and discipline. Then he goes on a little bit further, just in case you thought maybe I'm off track and I'm not talking about the right kind of fear, you know, maybe he's really talking about being fearful of things. He says, therefore, because this is true, because God has given us a spirit of power and love and discipline, not of timidity, he says, therefore, since that is true, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. In other words, you're supposed to be about advancing the gospel. And if you have a spirit of timidity, then when somebody starts to speak back, when somebody has questions you don't think you can answer, when you go to a moment in time where you're not sure whether you should say something about Jesus, because you have a spirit of timidity, you're going to fear, you're going to be, you're going to struggle with, should I act? Should I do something? No. But if you have a spirit of power and love and discipline, then you know you should. You will because he's God. You can because he loves you and you're safe to do so and you'll advance the gospel. That's what Paul is talking about. So when we use the verse to say that we have, should have no fear of God, that is a misuse of the verse. Then go, now this is our main text for the day, so go with me then to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. So now we're in Romans chapter 8. Now you know this, I hope, and if you don't, you can read the full chapter later. I don't really want to take the time to do all of it right this second, but it begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you cannot be found guilty before God if you are in Christ. Even, God forbid, if you should choose sin, right? So there is now therefore no condemnation. You cannot be judged a lost sinner on the way to hell, even if you sin while you are a follower of Christ, right? Now we're kind of skipping ahead in his thought processes. He's been talking about the spirit. I want to submit to you most teachers of the word, except that when he talks about the spirit that's in here, that it is a spirit reference to the Holy Spirit of God. In the New American Standard, you'll notice that all throughout that passage preceding this, the word spirit is capitalized S, meaning referencing the Holy Spirit. You can kind of read it yourself and debate whether he's really talking about the Holy Spirit, but he's certainly talking about the spirit of a Christian who is spirit-filled, if not, okay? Then in verse 11, he says this, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. And you might want to take that short side and say he's only talking about if you die, you will come back to life. But that's not what he's talking about. This, is, this whole passage of scripture has been about the living and subjecting oneself to God. Okay, That's what this whole thing is about. You're going to see it more in a second. So the dead... W- the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us from the dead. True, but that would be understating the matter. Because he's actually talking about also giving life to us as we live, bringing to life our flesh through his Holy Spirit who indwells in us. That time we know for sure he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation. In other words, we have a debt to pay. We are supposed to, There is a supposed to. I know you want to be free. Everybody wants to be free and have no obligation. But God says we do have an obligation. Okay? And he says, For if you are living according to the flesh, so then, brother, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. In other words, we don't got to live the way our bodies want to live. We don't go after do what our desires are, right? For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Okay? So if you choose to live according to what your body wants, what your flesh yearns for, what your carnal mind is after, then you must die. And you can say, well, that's just the spiritual death, meaning we're separated from God, so we don't really have a relationship with God. But I submit to you that that is an eternal death. That is a death that goes on. It goes past this life. So that's not the death we want. You can't say, well, I'm okay to be separated from God for a while. You can't do that. All right? If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if the spirit... But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice that are, you are putting to death. Notice you are actively living the way God would want you to live. And you maybe are doing a little better at it some days, and a little worse at it other days, but you are actively doing it. You are putting to death. You are killing off the things that your body wants you to do, that your carnal mind wants you to do, that you know God does not want you to do. If that is your state... Doesn't mean you've finished. Not that you're perfect. Not that you're without sin. But if your state is actively killing off the deeds of the flesh, you will live. 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have no promise that you are a son of God. But if you have God's Holy Spirit and you're allowing God's Holy Spirit to lead you on a daily basis, then you have a promise that you are a son of God. It's right there. We just read it. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Okay, we've got to break it down, don't we? Because this one is off-quoted. In fact, people will quote it saying, we have not, we have not given a spirit of fear. But it isn't what it says. It's a spirit of slavery leading to fear. Okay, So what would slavery look like? Slavery is a lot of ought-tos, a lot of obligations, a lot of requirements. Right? It is the opposite of civil rights, if you will. It is the opposite of independent thinking. It is the opposite of free will. It is being bound, in debt, required. We have not been given a spirit of slavery. We do not live this way. I must do this. I have to do that. I am submitting myself to these rules. I am required to do that. The Ten Commandments say I can't do that. That is not the spirit that God has given us. We have not been given a spirit of slavery. And I'll tell you why. Because that spirit leads to fear again. You say, well, I wasn't afraid before. I'll I'll talk about that by the time we're done. Say, but for a moment I was afraid. I realized I needed to make a decision. I realized I needed to begin to live for the Lord. That's what it's actually talking about. Notice the the formula. If you have a spirit of slavery, it leads to fear. 
but you have received a spirit of adoption. This is the alternative. We have received a spirit of adoption. We know that we now belong to God. If indeed you have been saved, if indeed you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and admitted that God raised him from the dead, then he will raise you too from the dead and you have become his child, a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, God help us. Lord, help me. You are my Father. Help me. The Spirit himself, that Spirit is almost certainly the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So you know inside you that you are saved and it's your spirit recognizing its redemption and the Holy Spirit of God inside you that continually testifies, yes, you belong to me. Yes, you are saved. Yes, move forward. Yes, practice love and discipline. Yes, do not have a spirit of timidity for you belong to the living God with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now take the sum of it, we're not quite done reading, but take the sum of it and realize that if you have, were given a spirit of timidity, you would avoid suffering. You would have built in you the necessary radar to realize that any course, anything you might do, could result in difficulty, and you would avoid that difficulty because you would get afraid. Remember I said, I'm not afraid of a hot stove. I cook over a hot stove all the time, right? I'm not afraid of a smoker. I'm not afraid of a barbecue grill. I'm not any good with either of those things, but I'm not afraid of them even though they can be 300 degrees or more. But if somebody went to take my hand and put it in there, now I would be afraid because now I'm in the moment of doing something. And fear leads to a fight or flight response. I would do something to stop that person from putting my hand in that, that heat. But if you walk around with the spirit of timidity, you're constantly looking for what it is that's going to be a problem because you want to avoid suffering. But what did Paul just write to the church at Rome? He said, if, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him, you can't avoid the suffering. Indeed, when suffering comes upon you, you have to courageously embrace it. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In case you thought I was off track, Paul clarifies it very simply and says... When you suffer, realize no matter how bad it gets, it will never begin to compare with the great glory that we will experience in heaven with God. That is a reason not to have a spirit of timidity. That is a reason not to be afraid to face difficulty. That is a reason to embrace suffering, to say, okay, this is going to suck, but even though it's going to be really, really bad, and I don't want to go through it, I understand that because I go through it, because it's part of my going through it, because it's part of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that on the other side of it, in eternity, is a great glory that will make all of this woe and difficulty pale in comparison. 19 says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it. In hope. In other words, this is kind of where the suffering comes from. One of the two ways that it comes, anyway, is that creation is suffering, creation is struggling, creation is waiting for redemption. And so there are tornadoes, and so there are floods, and so there are fires, and so there are diseases, and so there are add on every bad thing. This world is suffering and struggling, waiting for the final redemption of Jesus Christ, and bad things are here, and people will suffer. The truth is, you're going to suffer whether you are a follower of Lord Jesus Christ or not. But if you are a follower of Lord Jesus Christ and you suffer, then it's part of the pattern. And on the other side, you can know that you will be in glory and a, much, a glory that makes all this pale. 
God, let me back up just a little bit, top of 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will. In other words, the creation didn't do it, but because of him who subjected it. In my, my Bible, that him is capitalized, and the author clearly means it was God who subjected creation to this trial, to this waiting period, if you will. And he did it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Everyone will experience it, at least for a moment. Some of us will not experience it for an eternity, but everyone will experience it for a moment at the redemption. 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first, here comes the second part, not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. See, we have God's Holy Spirit in us. This is the first fruits of that great glory. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Have you been aching lately? Have you been seeing what's going on around us lately? More times than I can now care to count. I have wept during prayer or cried myself to sleep. Do we not see what's going on? And I have God's Holy Spirit. I believe I do. I believe I feel the Holy Spirit testify with my spirit that I am saved. And yet, I groan within myself, waiting eagerly for my adoption as a son. I paraphrase that with the changing intents. The redemption of our body. Verse 24, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. And this is the problem. Everybody wants the hope that is seen, and they're not willing to accept the hope that is not seen and rather wind up with a spirit of timidity and therefore really have no hope. For why does one also hope for what, what, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, in other words, we don't quit, we wait eagerly for it. I went a little further than I had intended there as I was led, I think, by the Spirit, but there you go. There's a few things in there you got to see. I had to see them. I have to see them. I need to see them every day. The first thing I want you to see is that if you are about the things of God, it's time you realized what side you are on. If you are daily getting out of bed and going, I feel spirit-led, I want to do what God wants me to do. If you are doing that, then it's time for you to see what side you are on. Paul understood it and was teaching about it both here in Romans and also to Timothy. And you won't find other places in the New Testament. I know people say, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you and you're supposed to have peace. And But Paul just wrote, we have groanings in the spirit. So what do we do? Do we have his peace or do we have groanings in the spirit? Do they contradict? No. It's time we realized what side we are on. First of all, on this side, we fear God alone. I submit to you that this is true. If you will fear God, you could actually, if you would believe in God, if you would trust God, if you would follow God and stand under God, if you would fear God, you could actually come to the point in time at which you would never have to fear anyone or anything else ever again. We fear God alone. There's a story about a, a foursome of golfers that went out one day and then the young uh, one of the young men had to bring his son because there was no child care with them. And they went out and the one guy hit his ball and they were playing a pretty expansive course and his ball landed off the cliff and down on a ledge. And all the golfers drove their golf carts up there with the boy and all five of them got out and they looked down and said, well, there's the ball. And the golfer's like, well, I really don't want to lose that ball. It's a ball. It's a golf ball. I mean, like 50 cents, a couple bucks if you're really buying a fancy one, you know. And they looked at us, one guy said, I think I can reach it. And he bent down with his ball grabber and he got down there. No, just, this is too short, about three, four feet too short, can't reach it. And one of the guys says, you know, the funny thing is, there's rope in the cart. 
Why there was rope in the cart, I have no idea, but there's rope in the cart, we can lower, uh, one of us can go down, and the rope was just like, you know, pretty thin, it wasn't really much of a rope, and, and they all looked at the rope and went, nah, I'm not going down there, and um, the boy said, I'll go get the ball, and they knew he couldn't reach it, he might have lowered him down on the rope, and he said, I'll go get the ball on just one condition, if my dad holds the rope, if my dad is willing to hold the rope, I'll go get the ball. Over the cliff, dangling on a thin rope, for a golf ball, for nothing. Listen to me. If you are following God, if you are getting out of bed every day and saying, I am led by God's Spirit, I'm trying to do, even if you're screwing it up and you think, what? Well, God wants me to wear blue today, when actually that's Satan and he's having you wear blue for some stupid reason, and you didn't talk back to God, you didn't figure it out, whatever. Even if you screw it up, if you are trying to live, that's all it says, trying, actively choosing the things of the Spirit over the things of the flesh, you're actively doing that then you are in God's hands and you have nothing to fear. I get it. I understand that we will be called foolish. We will be called reckless because we don't fear. But the truth is, Paul says we were not given a spirit of timidity. In other words, stop looking around for something to be afraid of. We fear God alone. Yes, we will suffer. Yes, there are issues. Yes, we will hurt. We will die. We're going to die. Every person, if Jesus doesn't come again first, then every person here in this room is going to physically die. You're going to die. And I cannot tell you, it will not be an excruciating death. I can't do that for you. God won't even do that for you. Jesus died an excruciating death. The word excruciating, by the way, means pain of crucifixion. That's what it literally means. I can't tell you it won't be like that. But this much I know, you can fear God and God alone. And as stupid as it may look to somebody who doesn't understand, that's the side we're on. Secondly, to be very, 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 very simple, if you will, we are on God's side. This is the guy who created the universe, has all the power, has done everything. We're on God's side. It's his side. There is an alternative. I'll get to that in a minute. But if you believe in God and are following his Holy Spirit and the word, the best you know how, then you are on God's side. I was watching a movie just uh, night before last about a young lady who played by Miley Cyrus, who's and I'm not trying to insult Miley, but she's not one of my favorite actresses in the world, but I watched it anyway. It's called The Last Song. She went to stay with her dad, who unknowns to her, unbeknownst to her, was sick, and she treated him like dirt. And just about the same time, maybe a couple days before she found out that he was sick, she stopped treating him like dirt, and they kind of came to a peace. And then she regretted treating him like dirt. Listen to me. When you stand before God, and you get down on your knee and you say, God, you are Lord. And don't kid yourself because it says every single person will do that. If you know somebody who says, I will never do that, they are a liar or they are ignorant and they don't know because it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And when you get down on your knee and confess before God that he is Lord, don't be found as one of those people that, oh man, I wish I would have paid better attention to God. While I was supposedly on his side, I wish I was one of those people who would have actually done what he said. I wish I wouldn't have hurt him. We are on God's side. Best of all, we are on the winning side. Already determined. In Vacation Bible School, I had a young man in my class on Thursday. Uh, wait, no, Friday. On Friday. And we, we did this activity. And he literally, he, he struggled a little bit. He just could not begin. He couldn't figure out how to begin the activity. I said, just don't. It's not graded. It's yours. Do it any way you want. Pick anyone you want. It's all good. And just he couldn't bring himself to start. And I had to encourage him over and over and over again. And, and I just said, look, it, there's no wrong answer. And finally, he was able to push past and begin the activity because there was no wrong answer and because of the encouragement that he got. You don't have time to be questioning yourself all the time. You just need to do what God is doing. And if you don't know what God is doing, we've got a whole book about that. 
We can figure it out. Just do it. You're on the winning side. You will get an A. You will receive a well done, good and faithful servant if you are just daily trying to live for the Lord. That's it. Even with all your... Yes, you may hear about it. You may show up and there may be a reading off of the bad things, the stupid things. You might start to feel like, oh man, I'm not worthy to get in. And Jesus will say, but that's all wiped away because this one belongs to me. Amen. What side are you on? You're on the winning side. I submit to you that sometimes the journey is worth it. You ever watch a football game for your, or, or a sport contest of any kind for your favorite team, even though your favorite team was weighted, rated so high that you absolutely knew they were going to win and the other team didn't stand a chance. It was probably going to be a blowout, 40, 50 points, but it's your team. And so you watched it anyway, at least a good part of it, probably all of it, because you could see your stars doing starry things. We are on the winning side. All you got to do is get in the game. You just got to show up. You know how long you got to play in the Super Bowl to get the gold ring? Does anybody know? Is it one down? I think it's one down. You got to play one down, I think, and you get the gold ring. It might be a series. You just got to show up on the winning side. And if you're on the winning side, you just got to show up. We are on the side that does right. This is the hard part for a lot of folks. We actually ask ourselves, what is the right thing to do? What is the best thing to do? What is the most godly thing to do? What is the thing that I should do? And now we're back around to a spirit of slavery if we're not careful. Because on a given day, the best thing to do, the right thing to do, might not be the thing that you should always do, but the thing that you need to do right then. And you wind up doing something that's kind of really odd, strange. I would never do that. I don't know why I did that, but I just did it because I felt what is what God wanted me to do, and I did it. I don't even know what the positive results were. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what God is about in this, but I know God wanted me to do it. I did it, and now I'm moving on to the next thing that God wants me to do. You just need to do the right thing. Do the next right thing, my favorite Disney slogan. We're on the side that does right. Sloppy, messy, tiresome, dirty, hurtful, painful, suffering. We do right. We're on the side that doesn't quit. Two of Michael's favorite word, or not quite necessarily. We don't quit. That's what we do. We don't quit. We will go the distance. We will not stop. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. It's getting hard. It'll get harder. Don't you understand that with several liberties the way they are, that already in California, churches have literally been commanded by the state of California they are not allowed to sing or chant. Not that they have to wear masks, not that they have to social distance, but for the entire state of California, and I have a good friend there who's pastoring the First Baptist Church of Oregon, uh, of Orange County, there you go, in California, and they have been commanded not to sing or chant to Jesus. And they are singing and chanting to Jesus anyway. And they are streaming live on the internet while they are doing it. Amen. We don't quit. We will break before we quit. We will die before we quit because that's who Jesus is. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you do. You don't quit. You show up to teach when you barely can move. You show up to worship when you feel like you have nothing in you. And if you're like me, about two songs in, you got a lot more than you started with. Right. We don't quit. And lastly, and maybe most importantly, and you could probably extend the list if you want to, we're on the side that knows what side we're on. That's what these passages of Scripture are about. The Holy Spirit testifies in you with your spirit that you are a child of God, that you've been adapted by the living God, and therefore you don't quit, and therefore you do right, therefore you are on the side of the God of the universe, therefore you are on the winning side and on the side that does right. That's what this is all about. We know what side we're on. 
Maybe we don't say it often enough. Maybe we don't live it often enough. Living this should either be attractive or offensive, one or the other. There are really just two sides. And a lot of people like to think there are three. I've witnessed to a lot of folks that think there are three sides. There's God's side, Satan's side, and then there's my side. I'm not really weighing in. People think that there is a fence. There is a border between God's territory and Satan's territory, and they are going to walk that and kind of keep in there. And I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really a follower of the Lord. I don't really know if I believe. I kind of believe in God, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not doing the right thing. I don't know that I'm on the winning side. I don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not really in there. And, I, and I'm kind of, I'm not over there either. I'm certainly not serving Satan. You know, I'm not a lion, thief, adulterer, killing people. You know, I'm not as bad as the guys on death row or whatever, right? And they think they're walking the fence. If you are about other things than what the Holy Spirit would have you to do, if you are about other things than what the Word would have you to do, if you are not working the kingdom on a daily basis and working in the kingdom on a daily basis, and if you are not the kingdom working on a daily basis, then you need to realize a couple of things and you need to do it right now. <clears throat> there are two sides available, God's side and Satan's side. Either your side is God's side or your side is Satan's side. And unfortunately, as much as you might like this to be true once and for all, when you're in your best mistake stage, when you're doing what's really wrong, the truth is you're actually on Satan's side. When you've given in to temptation, you're doing the things that you don't want to do, you're actually working on Satan's side. That's why it's so hard to hear the Holy Spirit's testimony in those moments, because He won't support you when you make those kinds of choices. He won't abandon you either. The fence, as some people like to talk about it, the neutral zone, if you will, is on Satan's side. Now, if you think about this, you just know it to be true. I was driving down Juilliard Road the one day, and I saw that somebody had put up a nice new privacy fence. And I thought, well, I wonder who put up the fence. Was it this landowner or this landowner? And then I noticed that the posts were on one side of the fence, and the supports were on one side of the fence, and the bold face of the fence was on the other side. And immediately I knew who put up the fence. You know who put up the fence. Satan put up the fence. It's on Satan's side. The fence is on Satan's side. He is keeping people in who might want to leave but are lacking commitment. He's also keeping others out that might want to convince some to come out. God doesn't need a fence because He wants anyone to come in and He doesn't keep anyone who wants to go. The sad fact is no one's going to switch sides on their own. No one can name all their desires and the things that their body wants and their carnal mind wants. No one can even name them all or know when they'll come or know when they'll strike or know when you'll want what you want. No one knows. And if you did know, you couldn't rule them all. You couldn't shut them all down. Some are very powerful. Some are very strong. The fight or flight response can become so strong that you will dive out of the car and leave a small child to die. You say, I would never do that. In the moment, it's hard. It's hard to rule our desires. People aren't going to switch sides on their own. They can't name all their desires and they couldn't rule them if they could name them. But God loves you and He has made a way. And basically, this is what God's asking you for. Let me bring you over the fence. Let me switch your side. Talk to one of the holiest men who had lived in that day, Nicodemus, and told him, you must be born again. But let us not kid ourselves. Hanging on the wrong side of the fence is a reason to fear. It is. If someone comes into God's territory who doesn't belong, sad as it is, God wants them to go. And ultimately, they will. They don't want to be there. and He doesn't want to force them to be there, and so they will go. And if someone comes into God's side of the fence, they didn't belong, but they, they get right close to the fence and they're thinking about going in, God just might reach out and grab them and pull them in. If He can, if they're willing, He did that for me. Fear. Fear kept me from walking down the aisle. Fear. Afraid of what I would look like. A spirit of timidity. 
fear. But you know, it's not, it's not always like that. With some folks, they just get tired. Just get worn out. Some folks, they just say, oh, always doing the right thing. Oh, never quitting. Continuing, persevering, suffering, going through suffering after suffering after suffering. I feel like I've been suffering forever. I had this problem, and I had that problem, and I had that problem. Some people just get tired. That situation is a situation that Isaiah wrote to in Isaiah 57, beginning of verse 10. You can flip there if you want. I'm just going to read it to you. Isaiah wrote this. He says, You were tired out by the length of your road, yet you did not say, It is hopeless. You found renewed strength. Therefore, you did not faint. Of whom were you worried and fearful when you lied and did not remember me nor give me a thought? Was I not silent even for a long time, so you did not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds. In other words, you did lots of good things, but they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. I read that passage of scripture this morning this, as I was finishing this up. Which, When I say this morning, it was on this side of midnight, but it was actually last night. And the accuser... The enemy, Satan, his evil spirits, whoever, some evil force put in my mind all the idols that we have. And several of the people in this room, I start thinking about the things that they value alongside of God, including myself. I, I began to realize that I was becoming judgmental and critical of people that I love very much. And I rebuked that evil spirit and I managed to get past it. But it's interesting that the people on the other side of the fence, they can see very clearly our idols. Don't kid yourself. If there are things in your life that you would trust, that you're afraid of losing, that you would worship, declare its worth, that you would think are great. And God will say to you when you get tired and think you have some reason to not continue to persevere to do what God would want you to do, He'll say to you, when you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. But the wind will carry all of them up and a breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will possess my holy mountain. God knows that we are but dust. That's why we're saved by grace. And saved by grace, we begin to walk the way you would have us to walk. And we ask the Holy Spirit, we ask God, and we ask, look through His Word, and we learn. What is it? You know, some folks say they have no fear. They're living for the Lord, and I have nothing to fear. So if you have no fear, then there are two reasons that the Lord laid on my heart, and two outcomes, essentially. One reason you might not have no fear is that you don't know your side and the results thereof. And if you're on Satan's side and you don't know your side and the results thereof, then you're missing out because you should be afraid. Where are you going to go? You should avoid that at all costs. Do literally everything in your power. In fact, everything that's outside your power. In fact, I would say trust in God and avoid that at all costs. If you're on God's side and you know where you're going, but you're not living like it, maybe you don't realize the results of where you are and where you're going. The second reason for not fearing might be you know your side. You're embracing God and you are safe from His wrath. We were once objects of wrath, but no more. I know he's not opposing me because I am trying daily to live for him. I'd be a good reason to not be afraid, don't you think? That's a pretty good one. You are clinging, hopefully, to the promises of the Lord despite the difficulties of the day. Then you got no reason to be afraid. You said, but I might die from cancer. I might get in a, hit by a car. Someone might run me over. Someone might shoot me. Someone might steal from me. Someone might, I might die from COVID. I might, I might be politically assassinated. Someone might destroy me on social media. I might have to become a recluse because everybody in the world knows my faults. The list just goes on and on and on. If you know your side and you're embracing God, and you're safe from His wrath. God never promised He's going to make everything work out just right for you or the way you think it's going to be best. He does say, if you love him and are called according to your purpose, he will make it all turn out for your best in the end. And if we have not a spirit of timidity, and if we fear God alone, and we don't quit and we do what's right, we're going to see the other side, one day or one night. 
And everything that happens between now and then, it's all going to be worth it. Fear? Some people do fear. Maybe you fear because you know your side and the results. And you're not willing to switch to God's side. You've been on the fence, kind of living for the Lord, kind of not. Kind of doing what you want to do. Kind of doing what he wants to, you to do. Even going around finding things to bother you to stop you from doing the things you're supposed to do. People do it. Maybe you just got tired. Maybe you just got tired and you just don't want to stay the course the way you used to stay the course. Be careful. Because your body, your mind, your time, your money, the things you'll fill your time with, your books, your TV, your games, your hobbies, your family. Yes, I said your family can all become the idols. And then when God says, you want to declare your righteousness? Yeah, appeal to your idols for help. Go to them. Go to them for help. Clearly, you don't need me. Come to the conclusion of a sort. The solution is simple. We're to repent and follow the Lord. Remember I talked to you about the fears at the beginning? The fear of spiders, the fear of roller coasters, the fear of whatever. We're not afraid of them right now much because I don't see any spiders or roller coasters. We're not really afraid of them right now. Now if we have a traumatic flashback to a terrible incident or something, you might be able to drum up some emotions that feel like fear. It might take you right back to that moment in time and, that's, and that fight or flight response begins to kick in or whatever. But the truth is, we're not really afraid of those things right now. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job said it this way. He said the fear of the Lord is wisdom in Psalm 28, 28. It's interesting because to repent and follow the Lord is the solution to all of the mess. Even if you're already following God, basically hit or miss, repent and turn to the Lord in totality. Are you afraid of spiders right now in this instance? You shouldn't be afraid of God on a daily basis either because you should be doing what God wants you to do. You should be following the Holy Spirit. But if you're not following the Holy Spirit, then yes, you've gone back to the beginning of wisdom. You first learned what you should do, started doing it, now have stopped doing it, so you're back at the beginning. You're at the transition point. You're at the point at which you have to decide to follow the wisdom again. And fear is the beginning of wisdom. So if you abandon the wisdom that God has given you, then you should fear because you're on God's side and you kind of know where you're supposed to be going, but you're kind of not going there. You're choosing not to. If fear is the beginning of wisdom, then wisdom is erased. You're back to fear again. And that is what Job meant when he said fear is wisdom. Being of fear, ah, I get it. I need to repent. I need to turn to God. I need to accept salvation through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to live for him as my Lord. Five years, 10 years, 15 years later. Oh, but I really like doing X. I really prefer that. Someone really hurt me. I'm tired out. I've lost three jobs and had all these health concerns. I'm just beat. And so I don't think I'm going to do what God wants me to do today. I don't think I'm going to read my Bible and pray and seek out what God wants me to do today, which by the way, is what God wants you to do today. And then you should be afraid. And I imagine a spirit of timidity will come upon you. And you'll start to be afraid of a lot of things because you're going to go take back into your own hands whether or not you're going to suffer. And you're going to try to do everything in your power to stop that from happening. And no one's going to stop that from happening, not you or anybody else. You're just going to change your daily choices and they're not going to glorify God. What if you don't repent and turn to the Lord? What if you do and then you don't? When it wears out and wisdom is lacking, back to fear to start wisdom over again. What if you do repent and turn to the Lord and live the best. Well, then you should know what side you're on. You should embrace your side. You should advance the kingdom and be the kingdom advancing 
Yes, you will have to spend yourself. Yes, you will have to love and serve to the point of, well, to the brink of disaster, to the death of yourself, until the new self is actually the one that's in charge. What if you don't? And then you do. So right now you decide not to repent, and later on you decide to repent and turn to God. Well, lots of people have done it. Jesus told some parables about it. If your repentance at that time is real, it's good a repentance as anybody's. If you turn to God at that time, the Lord will join you to his team. He will cross you over the fence. He will supply you with an eternity that makes all your suffering pale. In some sense, require, wisdom requires you to go back to the beginning often. I remember the day I got saved more vividly than almost anything I've ever experienced in my life. I was so afraid. I can see, and now I wear glasses, so I'm older now, so I don't see very, very many things very clearly, not as clearly as I used to, anyway, but I can see the three hairs, exactly three hairs, that were growing between the eyebrows of Jim Rich as he stood non-social distancing this far from my face and asked me to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and asked me to live my life from then on for him and asked me to come in faith and obedience and be baptized and join the church and get busy serving. And I remember the words. I remember the carpeting. I remember my shoes because I was looking at them a lot. Sometimes you got to go back to where you began. If you can't go back to where you began, then maybe you never began and you need to begin. In some sense, wisdom requires you to go back to the beginning often. You were tired out by the length of your road, but you didn't say it was hopeless. You found renewed strength. Therefore, you did not faint. Of whom were you worried and fearful when you lied and did not remember me nor give me a thought? Was I not silent even for a long time? So you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry all of them up and a breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. That's good. The young lions lack and suffer. This is from Psalm 34. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? I feel like that's everybody. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from seeking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And we come back around to what? If you are here today and you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you got out of bed this morning and you said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do today. You're sitting here listening to the word preached. I hope really you're listening to the Holy Spirit and what God is saying to you, because I may screw it up, but he always, always gets it right. And if that's you, then it's time you realized what side you're on, and I would say, tell everybody about it. 
We fear God alone. We are on God's side, who is not limited in resources and does not tire. We are on God's side. We are on the winning side, on the side that does right, on the side that doesn't quit, and on the side that knows what side we're on. On the other hand, if you've been getting out of bed some days, maybe once recently, maybe multiple times off and on, hit or miss, and doing what you want to do and not what God wants you to do, you need to repent and let God pull you across the fence and hold you close and testify in your heart to whom you belong and live. Will you need to fear God? Yes, you'll need to fear God every time you abandon the wisdom that God has, in, has placed in you. You'll have to go back to the beginning every time and say, but God saved me, but I am part of the kingdom. But though I suffer today, my eternity and glory will be awesome. Don't live with a spirit of timidity or fear. No. Power, love, and one might say sound mind, another might say discipline. You know who you are. Now know what you do. But if that isn't you, repent today and turn to the Lord. So it can be. So it will be.